The Wizards of Drivel is proud to partner with Beer52, the world's most popular craft discovery club. And as a Wizards of Drivel listener, you can get your hands on a free case of delicious beer to help you unwind after yet another Stoke Goldfest. This month, Beer52 and some of the best craft brewers from around the UK and Europe have come together to bring some incredible flavours as part of their Citizens of Everywhere case. When I think of Europe, I usually think of Joe Allen dominating major tournaments, the Bojan Shakiri on out of its front three, and Tony Pulis sending Diego Arismendi out to beat Valencia. But it turns out they do some nice beer too, including Sweden's Beer Biotech and France's Mount Salev. Try your first case free, just pay 5 95 postage. That's eight incredible craft beers, ferment magazine and a snack delivered with next day shipping. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any time. That's beer52.com forward slash wizards. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Carlshaw and I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Hello, good evening. <laughs> good evening, Ben. You were at Leeds yesterday. Well, what's it like Leeds, to Leeds, see a goal, uh, Ben? I switched over. No, um, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I did the maths. Five goals I saw yesterday at Elland Road. If you want to see sort of five goals in Stoke games, you'd have to go sort of progressively back in time towards, I think, the 13th of um, February or something like that. So um, a month and a half ago was the time that we've seen five goals of Stoke fans. And yeah, I saw them all yesterday and it was fantastic. Um, wow. I mean, that is what we're having next season. So I just, I, I saw it more as a sort of a view into the future more than anything else. A little, a little taste of Stoke to come. Uh, exactly. Well, Chris, you, you were very much uh, watching the, the real thing, the present day Stoke City, we'll call them. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, Chris, you're here. I should have said hello first. <laughs> hello, Chris. <laughs> hello. How about that? How about them Potters? <laughs> they're all right aren't they i quite like them they're a nice team and as you say i was i saw that the present thing not the not the stoke of futures to come um and the present stoke has everything except the goals and and it's nice it's 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 nice that we've it's nice that we've progressed from from having no shots to having some shots to even having a shot on target. I mean, we were treated. We were really treated to look your know, luxury. Um, I enjoyed myself though, Dave. I actually really enjoyed yesterday's game. It's the 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 ve- the very nil nils we're experiencing are kind of like uh, when you're sampling different cheeses and you can really savor the different tastes between various ones. It's like, oh yeah, I can really pick. The cranberry out of this one, like this, I can. Oh, oh, the passing, the passing in that nil nil. Oh, it was just. Oh, it was better than the passing in the previous nil nil. I like a fine cheese. Are nil nils. Very strong flavors. Uh, a lot to get your teeth into. Uh, with regards, Bojan, you'd love to spread him on a cracker. Uh, just. <laughs> Everything <laughs> there. Not it's not the pongy stuff we've had in no. previous weeks. This was this was rich, full bodied, and yeah. If if this is the Nathan Jones cheese board, then colour me interested. <laughs> I think that metaphor is dead, so we'll go quickly on to the three word reviews. Slowly coming together, frustrating but promising. Nathan has this. 
Bojan Allen, Bojan Allen Atebo, which appeared at least three times. Change front three, extremely clean sheets. Uh, yes, so Stokesy, nil-nil again. Four nil-nils in a row. This, I mean, it's funny. It's 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 past like becoming a bit frustrating now. It's just funny. And I'm glad we're not in a stage of the season where it's very important because <laughs> if we were pushing for promotion or fighting relegation, getting nil-nil all the time would be causing us to tear our hair out. But hey, this is this is the weird second half of the season where nothing really matters. It's all just a big experiment. And Ben, we this was a bit of fun for Stoke. We, are we are we finally going to start to have fun now? Well, I mean, considering it was yet another nil-nil, this is as fun as it gets. This is the cheesiest and fun it ever gets for nil-nils, I think. So beyond this, I think we're going to have to start scoring goals and that's where the fun will extend to and I fully believe it will. I mean, we've played some decent teams in these nil-nils. Sheffield Wednesday going into the game would have been very confident, I think, and they would have hoped to come away with something considering they've been doing quite well with Steve Bruce. So the fact that we... Absolutely kept them quiet. Um, we had those lovely moments. I mean, just that close control that Bojan has is—it's just—it's incomparable to anything on from any player I think in our team. He just seems to literally have it under his spell. To to use an overused cliche uh, once again. Um, so yeah, I think the fun starts here. Hopefully, like we have been promised from Nathan Jones so much and. Yes, it's taken time for those promises to start to come to fruition, but now finally we can see that it's working. Just obviously, I didn't see the whole game, but um, the highlights just—it just looked good. It looked like this is the type of football we want to be playing. That you shared it from the Wizards' Twitter account, Dave. That um, that sort of move that ended up with the Bojan shot. I think there are so many bits from that that you could pick out and say that was sort of that was exciting. That's the type of football you want to see. But for me, it's just. That at a table ball, mm. right at the very start where it's in the box and we're sort of just sort of starting to to move out of the box and get on with the counter attack, to have the confidence to play that pass, I think it looks quite simple because he looks it very, he looks, he makes it look very simple. But he wouldn't have had the confidence to play that pass, I don't think, under Rowett. And now you're seeing him trying things like that, where that unleashes Allen, who then sort of continues the move on to Ince and whatever. Um, but it's just those little moments where a player is given the freedom to try things like that because obviously a table has got the ability and it's starting to come off and it's only going to start coming off more, I think. And and yeah, I'm excited to see. I think we're going to see some fantastic goals because that, that was very, very <laughs> nearly a, a fantastic goal. So I, I don't doubt that there'll be a lot of fun to come very soon. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm kind of uh, almost reassured that we're not winning 3-0 and 4-0 yet. Save those... Uh, results for next season when we hopefully will will have more use for them. Uh, but uh, as Ben mentioned there, Atebo uh, coming out away with a, a lot of credit, as does Joe Allen, as does... Who'd have thought it, eh? You, you know, I think maybe... Have <laughs> we have we maybe gone too far in calling for Bojan to play? I mean, the managers know them best. He didn't do very well on loan. I think maybe... Uh, I don't know. Did we have an agenda in pushing for Bojan in the first team? Well, I think we did. And do you know why? I think it's because we were right. 
I think ultimately we are on the right side of history with this one. Bojan plays his first full 90 minutes for Stoke since August 2016, and he looked bloody tremendous. <laughs> he really, really did. Um, from the first, from like the, the first seconds of the first half, um, it was really evident what he he was bringing to the team. He was able to create that space and has that close control that allowed Atebo and Allen to um, have have freedom of movement. Um, I think that. Uh, you say this we that we're right, Dave. The woman who was sat next door but me to the step in the ground absolutely hated everything Bojan did. Um, um, my mum was completely bewildered by this person's anger towards Bojan. There was a there was a bit where he played a, a ball to Tom Ince and um, Tom Mintz, I think, miscontrolled it or something. And oh bloody hell, Bojan, what are you doing? Uh, he's he's passing to a player. Like I, I don't. If you if you're gonna just hate on a player, you're gonna hate him anyway. But I think that um, it, it, yeah, Bojan in that uh, attacking midfield role allowed um, Atebo and Allen to have a fantastic game. And I think the thing that Ben you said about the 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 ball that Allen no sorry Atebo picks up in that highlight clip, um, picks it up on the edge of the box, passes it out uh, to Allen. The the two of them did that on a numerous occasions yesterday. They ran back, they collected the ball, they 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 tackled extremely well. And the one thing that I and I said this to you at half time, Dave, the one thing that was noticeable was our composure under pressure. I know that Sheffield Wednesday stood off us quite a lot yesterday, but when they did press us, they pressed us in numbers. Uh, Atebo especially, he had two or three players around him on multiple occasions. And mm. his ability to just use a bit of skill or a bit of strength, and the, the the number of times where they came in for a challenge, and I assumed, well, that's the ball gone, and then he came out of it the other end. Two Sheffield Wednesday players on the floor, he's gone past them. He was rightfully the man of the match. And do you know what? Alan was similar. Alan had a really good game. Um, him, him, I really like him and Atebo almost alternating between the midfielder who's that further forward and the one who's gone back to pick the ball up they they swapped um around uh doing that all all game yeah bojan absolutely fantastic he he brings everything together and i saw someone on twitter saying oh well you oh he did three yard passes side to side oh yeah what a great game do you know what it's something we we've not had a focal point further up. He's able to get the ball and pass it out to other players. He he keeps us composed further up the pitch. All we need now is any of the attacking three to have a little bit of I don't know something about them. I, on the clip, the the bit that Tom Ince cuts inside. I think that's probably the the own, the highlight of Tom Ince's game because him. Mm. Afobi and McLean didn't impress me. I thought McLean was too two dimensional, uh, especially when and you said this, Dave. Iorfa was not good. He 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 was there for the taking. I thought in that first half, and McLean didn't challenge him. Um, in the yeah, that that's the thing that's missing now. That the the final third, if if the midfield and defence can play as strong as they as they do, 
and we can improve that final third. Whether that's by going to a diamond formation and having two strikers and Bojan behind them, which is what I would prefer because I don't think it works with McLean as an out-and-out -out winger uh, because you're leaving a phobie to run around and it, it don't really work. Um, I think if, yeah, once we sort out the movement in the final third, we will look very nice indeed but it's all work in progress isn't it and i enjoyed i enjoyed it yesterday really did as you can tell from how excited and this like seven minute monologue i've just done <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not many nil nil draws can spark that chris so it, so it is uh yet more evidence that green shoots are growing <laughs> as as we as we said they would and i i, I read uh nathan jones's uh comments in the pre-match press conference and it's all just, it's like, um, it's like it's like a seduction. It, he's just like telling us what we want to hear, but with with the air of authority about it. It's like, trust me, guys, we're on a journey. We got we're gonna be amazing. Just trust me. You wait. And I think yesterday was the first kind of game where we've you can see the the plans for next season start to form a bit more clearly. Uh, not least in that midfield display. Uh, I mean, uh, Etebo and Allen will be transfer targets for other teams in the summer, no doubt about that. I mean, uh, Etebo had kind of gone under the radar, I think, in the Championship this season, but there's no way he performs like that and doesn't have clubs sniffing around him. And I, I think I said today, he's 23. That is that is not a 23-year-old for me. Uh, both him and Allen just absolutely all over the pitch and linking up so well and uh, providing that kind of guard in front of the defence whilst also being an option for Bojan, being an option to pass it out wide to the wings. It was such a dynamic performance from that three and I, I really want to see that again. Uh, I think also a word on the defence. Danny Barr, yet another yeah. clean sheet with him alongside Shawcross. They're, um, they're tremendous together. And Tom Edwards... I think of all the time we wasted with fucking Martina. I know. Uh, and, and oh, he's even trying left-footed shots from the edge of the area. That that, that would have taken the roof off if, if I think, had gone in. I think I read that he had more touches than anyone else yesterday, um, mm. which was very apparent. I think that, attack, obviously, Tom Ince is a focal point as well, but we were definitely more attacking down that right-hand side. And uh, Tom Ince... I think his work rate is particularly underrated for 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 a young lad. He, um, his positioning and his his way of getting up and down the pitch. I can't think of many times yesterday where he had got himself. Considering he is essentially an attacking wing back, I can't picture many occasions where he got himself so far forward and then was out of position during a counter attack. I think that he is he he's really really grown into this role. Um, and yeah, I. Why why we persisted with Martina for so long when he, granted, you know he's improved this season. He he has. He's he's a better player for all these first team appearances. But um, people the the fans have a lot more patience for a homegrown player like him, and that's great. It's really really good to see. Well, I think also that his crossing has got just that satisfying sort of flight. So naturally, where yeah. you, all you want to see from a fullback or a winger 
oftentimes is to get the ball in the bloody box. Mm-hmm. And Tom Edwards can do that. And he can do it quite consistently as well. It's just that being able to hit the ball first time. How many how many times over the years have we felt frustrated because either a player doesn't want to beat their man or we just struggle to get it into the box? Tom Edwards can do both and he's doing it really well. And just like the team, as you say, he's, he's only going to get better, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And it it's... It's so noticeable, partly because that nobody else in the team really does that—the cross in from the from the chalk kind mm. of thing. It's Tom Ince doesn't do that, and James McLean can't do that as hard as he tries. Um, and just having a natural cross of the ball is great. And I think uh, Bruno Martins Indy needs a bit of credit as well, because obviously he is not Tom Edwards by any stretch in terms of being a fullback, but he's been pretty flawless in this nil-nil run and it was only a few weeks ago we were saying Bruno Martins Indy at left back for the rest of the season oh I'm not sure I can hack it well he's he's been uh, terrific but uh, as we said before the front three uh, pretty unanimously unanimously getting a lot of uh, criticism Fobe looked a bit a bit lost to me Ince was getting pelters from all quarters around me. He just seemed lightweight. He didn't really seem to be involved in the play. And McLean, just nothing was working for him. And as many people have pointed out, all three signings were signed for reasonable amounts of money, all by Gary Rowett. So is this, uh, they just don't necessarily suit Nathan Jones? Is it that essentially we have bought three very limited footballers? What is it? Do we see? Do we see a future for these three people at, at, at Stoke? Because just on on the basis of this, you know, drawing blanks all the time, mm-hmm. they're not really performing. I mean, as soon as Nathan Jones came in, I think certainly the two wingers in McLean and Ince, we thought all of us, I think, said they'd be sort of worried about their position within the squad because of Nathan Jones' love four four two or the the four four two diamond. So the fact that they've been so involved is surprising straight away because we didn't expect that. So if Nathan Jones is to persist with this four four two, I mean you've got two players there in Ince and uh, McLean that don't suit that system. You've got two players there that have flattered to see if they've been pretty average all season, maybe having fits and spurts of decent form. Um, so those two, I think, I, I mean, if I were them, I'd, I'd be worried because they're supposed to be, um, I, as I've said before, they imagine themselves as Premier League players and they're, they're still not putting anything like a Premier League performance in. Um, so if they fail at Stoke, who have finished, well, likely bottom half, unless something exciting happens, hopefully, um, in the Championship, where do you go from there? Who's going to sign Tom Ince and James McLean after this season? Um, and I guess the same for Phobie, that all three of those players, when they first joined, we were really excited about because here are three players that want to prove themselves, that have all got quality, um, and for, for none of them it's worked. Um, and that you can say, oh, Rowett has signed all three players, but in all honesty, I think we all expected them to do a lot better than what they have done. We can say, oh, Rowett, why have you signed them? But they're all three they're all three players that have done it in the championship many times before. So why they're not doing it is up to them. So yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be that fussed to see any of them go. Obviously, I think Vokes is that number one or the the number nine um, who will be preferred as our starting striker. And then you've got a number of youth options now that hopefully will be utilised next season. 
and then yeah I guess it depends on this system that we I mean it's, an, it's anybody's guess as to whether we'll be continuing with this four sort of four three three or mm. stick to the four four two but none of us would be disappointed if Vince McLean had to go yeah a, a comment from uh, Jace uh, SESC Jace of this parish uh, not necessarily a question so much as an observation but the booing has stopped in December January the crowd were booing passes back to Butland half-time, full-time, even if we drew. Now everyone seems more on board with things. They give the team more trust to build. After 4 0 nils, you think the booze would come, but the fans were more supportive than ever yesterday. Uh, and Old Speckled Ben on Twitter asks, other than yesterday, when was the last time a Stoke City manager made two substitutions in a row that made total sense? Lou Macari. Uh, yeah, that was um, it, that was something that I did think at the at the time, just like, Oh, I, I agree with both of these substitutions. I know Mam Juf isn't uh, anyone's idea of an ideal sub, but uh, Benekafobi wasn't doing anything. Why not throw Mam Juf on for some chaos? And uh, yeah, Verlinden on for uh, McLean with about 20 minutes to go as well. A lot of people were disappointed uh, Verlinden didn't start, myself included, I think. But uh, Jones explained it as he wanted M- McLean on to kind of run them down for 70 minutes and then introduce Verlinden if we needed a goal. And that and that does make sense to me, even if I am kind of just really wanting to see some of these younger lads play. Um, question from Rock8-2K9. Uh, I don't think we'll hold on to Butland, Allen or Atebo in the close season. Where should the club look for a replacement? Chris, do, are we? Uh, how worried are we about a kind of a mass exodus? Um, uh, I mean, it is it's it's concerning, especially after a a decent performance. But I think we all we all are under the impression that Butland would have got. I, I mean, we thought Butland probably would have gone in the in the summer, and he didn't. Um, as long as the club gets decent money for him and Allen, I I mean, I'd be okay. I trust that. <laughs> I trust Nathan Jones at his word that his his idea of recruitment is coming to gonna come to fruition. I mean, he did say in the in the press conference pre match that they're already they've drawn up lists of the type of, of players they want. They're they're out searching, and and what was really exciting for me was this idea that we're we're not looking to outspend everyone. We're looking for real value and young players, young players who he can develop and who have an attitude um, that is correct for the club. Um, so as long as you know we can capitalise on the name value of Butland and Joe Allen, I'm okay. Atebo, I would be very, very disappointed because you know we've only we'll only have seen him for the one season, and and I do think he he will only only get better and. And as much as Joe Allen, don't get me wrong, had a really good game yesterday, um, I'm still... He's not had a good season, I would say. He's not shown the Premier League quality consistently. Um, so I would be happy to, you know, get a decent fee for him. Um, I trust I trust that we will we will recruit well. We're looking already. I, I say I trust we'll I recruit think... well. I don't... I'm basing that on nothing apart from Nathan Jones telling me that God willing will do well. <laughs> that's all you need I think the f- the funny thing for me is f- how much a few weeks ago we were all saying oh we don't mind if anyone leaves the squad and now it seems the complete opposite I guess that shows the fickle nature and also 
um, obviously when you're doing well, you, you're going to want to see that continue. I think <laughs> Atebo is obviously the key one. And I th- I, my takeaway from those points that Nathan Jones said about sort of signing the right type of player, I, I, you do think about it. And obviously Inter McLean, we've just spoken about them. Also a phobia in a way. Inter McLean, they're two players that got relegated. Or, well, no, Inter didn't get relegated, did he? But McLean got relegated and obviously Inter struggled with Huddersfield. They're two players there that are joining a team with a mindset of relegation, a mindset of disappointment, really. We need to be looking probably, and, and this is where Nathan Jones comes into it, I think we're going to be looking at more the lower level, the best of the lower level, rather than the sort of the worst of the the top level or, or the top level coming mm. down. And I think yeah, 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 yeah. that'll be a huge factor. Getting players in that are used to winning. Hungry for it. Mm-hmm. Hungry for Hungry to prove themselves and say... I want to make this. I want to make this championship team mine. I want to get into the Premier League it's, and continue their rise. That is exciting for me. Yeah, it's players on the way up. Players on the way up in their career. What they, you know, they they are they are ready to make that step forward. And um, I think the risk that you run with some Premier League players when they make a step down is that they they feel and not bitter that they're there, but there's certainly a, an argument that can be made for. Oh, are, are they? Are they happy that they've made the step down? Some players obviously have the mentality for it and and want to make a go of it and uh, and just want to play football. But um, you certainly want to get a player who is progressing along a line and is ready for a step up and is yeah looking to get better rather than someone who is maybe looking to take a step backwards. I don't know. Hmm. And if you add into the mix, uh, Tom Edwards is now established first team regular you've got Verlinden coming into the side Harry Souter is really impressing on load at Fleetwood by all accounts he scored uh, for them yesterday as well uh, and Tyrese Campbell's definitely uh, shone earlier in the season as well you could potentially be talking about four academy products in and around the Stoke squad maybe not all starting at once but if you if you factor that in as well then you you know the the excitement gets a bit more doesn't it you get a bit more hopeful and I was thinking yesterday, oh, if you start with Verlinden and Vokes instead of McLean and Afobi, I think we perhaps win that slightly comfortably. But yeah, we, we can get a bit too carried away. But it's just like, we're starting to play good football. We're starting to create chances. We're seeing likeable players play for us. We've got a likeable manager who's saying the right things. We can't get carried away. And yes, we have drawn nil-nil four times in the trot. <laughs> it's a bit daft. But yeah, just we may as well take these moments of encouragement while we can because we could get battered at Blackburn next week and then everyone will be all moaning again. So let's just enjoy this <laughs> for now in our own very limited, muted way. And uh, with that, uh, just some updates on the women's team and the academy teams uh, after our podcast on Monday with Meg Bowyer and James Knowles. Well, if you chose to go down to Community Drive after hearing that episode on Monday, well, you were in for a treat to, uh, today. Stoke City 4, Sunderland 4 in the National League. Stoke went a goal down and 2-1 up, then uh, were pegged back to 2-2 at half-time. Uh, they went then went 3-2 up, uh, got pegged back to 3-3, went 4-3 down before equalising right at the death. Kelsey Richardson scored uh, Stoke's first half goals. In the second half, Faye McCoy got the third with a pen and scored the free kick in added time. Woof. Uh, but uh, I think the Wizards of Drivel curse has maybe 
slightly had an impact on Stoke City ladies because the reserves team lost 2-1 against Leicester uh, and that was their first defeat this season. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, well done to us. We'll, we'll take that one. Uh, Nuala Mizkiel with Stoke's goal there. In the academy news, uh, Stoke City under-23s lost 1-0 to Russia Olympic in the Staffordshire Senior Cup semi-final. Uh, this is an under-23s team that is obviously missing a load of players who perhaps would have played for it a few months ago, likes of Campbell, Verlinden and Suter. Uh, I think only Josh Tymon and Ollie Shenton are in that team with any kind of first-team experience. And they were playing against uh, a, a full-grown men's team as well. Uh, but happier news for the under-18s who beat Newcastle United 2-1 home in the league came from behind with goals from Ethan Varian and Mohamed Sanko, who I believe is a Dutch international, uh, certainly at under-17 or 16 level. Not a full Dutch international yet, but mm-hmm. good stuff there for uh, both SCFC ladies and Stoke City under-18s. OK, so Tony Lloyd has appeared out of nowhere and uh, we now have a fourth <laughs> wizard in the... Uh, in the conversation uh tony thank you for joining us greetings a wild tony has appeared there he is uh and i believe you wanted to talk about uh stoke fans who don't live in stoke i do a bit um i'm not from stoke and i don't live in stoke and i've never lived in stoke so i've always had a bit of an inferiority complex about that um (laughs) same here welcome to the club spoilers (laughs) <laughs> so when I first discovered the magnificent Wizards of Drivel podcast um, and I downloaded a few to catch up and I was expecting to hear a lot of Stoke, strong Stoke accents so when I didn't it really surprised me but also I was excited because it immediately felt like these people care about my club like I do and they're clearly proper Stoke fans um, so maybe that means I'm a proper Stoke fan as well. Maybe that is allowed. <laughs> so anyway, since then, I was immediately quite keen to find out why the Wizards support Stoke. I mean, I know what my excuse is, um, but I was really interested to find out your stories. But also I've got no confidence in myself or my own ideas or opinions, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> and then last summer, when I managed to sort of somehow elbow my way on here occasionally, I thought, hmm... Maybe it would now be okay to ask that kind of thing. Maybe it'd be interesting for other people and they might want to know. But also, I've got no confidence in myself uh, or my own ideas or opinions, so I didn't say anything. And then the other day, Dave started the excellent new Wizards of Drivel Stoke Chat Facebook group, which I'm sure you've already plugged. Um, no. Oh, well, there you go. Thank God, um, Thank God you're here. <laughs> but the fourth post on that, venerable platform on day one was from somebody called Nathan Eason asking, curious about SCFC fans who aren't for the Potteries what in God's name made you crazy enough to want to support this club so my first thought obviously was oh you bastard, that's my idea and then (laughs) my second thought was actually some people might be interested in that after all, so thank you Nathan for that excellent question (laughs) Um, I'm from Aberdeen and then at primary school age I moved down to Hertfordshire and now I live in Sheffield, but I'd like to find out a bit more about you lot as well, if you don't mind. So I might start with some easy questions. Oh, yes, that, I, I'm I'm all for easy questions. Make <laughs> okay. my life easier. I don't have I don't have to think of content. So thank you for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
who should we go first? Ben. Hello. Oh my are you, god. Are you ready? Uh, are you poised? So ready. The the problem is I know that Chris's story is so much better than mine. Um but I'll save him for last then. That's fine, we'll start with a rubbish one. Um <laughs> just imagine like the mastermind music or something. Uh where are you from? I am from London. Well, I was born in London and I moved to Hertfordshire, which I hate saying on this podcast as, as well because of the you know you know that inferiority complex you mentioned. Yeah. And considering I n- I now live in Manchester, it's even worse because I constantly have to pretend that I'm not from Hertfordshire when I'm actually just a posh boy from Hertfordshire. Mate, I lived in Royston for there 15 years. I am oh, familiar. I'm from I'm from about 15 minutes away from Royston. Oh, you, so you poor thing. About right, this is the Wizards of Hertfordshire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've already answered my next question, which is where do you live now? Um, when did you start supporting Stoke? When did I start? I have no idea. You know, um, just from living memory, I guess. Just I I think my first game was against Bournemouth at some point in the 90s, maybe 98. I don't know. I don't even know if that's accurate, but I know that I have a very old ticket in a um, scrapbook somewhere. Oh. There's actually in Hertfordshire, but we don't want to talk <laughs> no. about that. Um, what was your first shirt? My first shirt? Um, my first shirt? You know, I don't think I... I never got that much shirts from my parents. Um, so I think... The first shirt that I remember definitely having was uh, the O three one, I think, or it was it was the one with the bib. Um, but yeah, my parents, for whatever reason, um, they didn't do much football shirts for me. So yeah, that was my first, the one with the bib. That I wasn't actually that I'm not that much of a fan of, to be honest. But there we go. Yeah. So why do you support Stoke? Um, because I just love misery, <laughs> and um, my granddad was from Stoke and my uncle and my dad both support Stoke so they obviously took me along to the games whenever we drove up um, the M6 um, semi-regularly during my childhood oh, Awesome Okay, well apparently Chris is the best so I'll go Dave next then <laughs> I, I feel this is a lot of pressure to, to make it interesting guys <laughs> Well I was going to do mine after yours if that's okay. all right, so it might like take a massive step down again, and then yours will look even better, even if it's quite mediocre. Maybe. Okay, Dave. What's your name, Dave? Uh, uh, where are you from? Hi, I'm. I'm Dave, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> I am from Lytham St Anne's in Lancashire, uh, born in Blackpool, uh, and I'm still in Lytham St Anne's in Lancashire, despite being a bit nomadic. Uh, lived in Leeds and London and Lancaster. And moving uh, away from Lytham St Anne's very shortly again. Uh, I'll be moving to uh, undisclosed Yorkshire location. <laughs> so, yeah, very much not Stoke. I can recommend Yorkshire. When did you start supporting Stoke? Uh, can't quite remember. Uh, I think earliest Stoke memories are my granddad... Uh, like showing me pages of the green un uh, <laughs> and like talking about Peter Thorne and stuff uh, but I know my first game so it's all my dad's fault the re- why I support Stoke but uh, yeah my first game was a 4-1 home defeat to Bristol Rovers in <laughs> 1998 
and I and I know that because I celebrated a Bristol Rovers goal because I didn't know the difference between the teams. Oh, kids are so just so happy to see a goal. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like. <laughs> I might do that if Blackburn score next week. I think. <laughs> yes, a goal. Can you remember what your first shirt was? Did you have shirts as a kid? Yeah. Um, it would have been Christmas or birthday, but I think I still have this somewhere uh, in a bag in the loft. I think it's uh, the ninety-nine two thousand kit. The Britannia logo is in black, oh. uh, and it's got a bit of like bordering around it. It has Thor nine on the back. Is it one that's like a kind of waffly kind of t-shirt type material, or is it? Because the red and white one was kind of it was a weird material. Yeah. It- it, it is. I've got the same shirt. It was the shirt we wore for the uh, auto windscreen shield final. Oh yeah. Okay. And, I, and I've got I've got one of those shirts with the auto windscreen embroidery as well. Wow. That I bought off eBay a few years ago. Spoil. So why do you support yes. Stoke? Uh, Dad started taking me against my will. <laughs> I haven't really escaped yet. <laughs> Chris, how, how are you feeling? I'm all right. up to this task? Yeah, of course. Let's go for it. Okay, where are you from? I am from uh, sunny, sunny South Yorkshire, specifically a little place outside Rotherham called Swinton. Oh, I know it quite well. Well, that's nice. Let's talk about Swinton for a while, shall we? <laughs> well, we've done Hertfordshire. Let's do <laughs> Rotherham and Barnsley and Doncaster Hinterlands. Okay. Um, mm. Or we could not. Um, okay. Okay, when did you start supporting Soak? I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know. I, I don't know if I support them, if honest. Uh, they, they are some, <laughs> they are sometimes a trouble. Um, I don't know. They were, they were my my mum's team, um, and I'll tell because Ben, I think, is wanting me to tell the story of how my mum supported Stoke, and that's what you were alluding to, is it right, Ben? Because uh, so is right. Okay, so my mum, um, her family are from the Midlands, and um, they're all they're from. Uh, place near Warsaw, like Will and All area, and her uh, her mum liked wolves, and my granddad had a trial at West Brom, and so he Ooh. liked West Brom. Her brother, therefore, liked West Brom, and my mum, at I think the age of nine, as she corrected me yesterday, I thought it was six, but you know, whatever, um... Uh, was looking through my uncle's match of the day annual and decided that I like those ones in the red and white and I'm going to like them. They will be my team. Um, and and true, you know, like, didn't just do it willy-nilly. She stuck to it. And whenever she'd be visiting family in the Midlands, because she, she, they moved away from the Midlands, they went to, like, Australia and then... Dorset and all that type of place uh, but whenever she'd come up to visit family she'd go and watch Stoke sometimes when she was at university in Huddersfield she'd go along and, and watch them but they'd only be like one train out of Huddersfield or something so she'd arrive three hours early um, <laughs> you say just hanging around outside the Victoria ground um, for three hours um, and so so yeah so she so it's her fault really um and it's a weird one because growing up in in South Yorkshire, 
everyone is either a Sheffield Wednesday fan or a United fan or a Leeds fan or you have those ones who support Man United mm-hmm. um, and so no one's a Stoke fan and so you didn't really talk no one really understood Stoke and you didn't really have conversations about it it was just support by, by proxy my mum oh my mum's a bit annoyed because they've lost on the radio or something so it's, it was kind of an isolated existence um, but that's why I support them because my mum does and she's a big influence if it helps any I can confirm that Hertfordshire also has my new fans <laughs> <laughs> everywhere does yeah bless them um, I didn't entirely think through how to do this. Should I just ask myself the same questions? It's a bit Alan Partridge. Well, <laughs> well, just uh, to, to quickly ask to answer your other things. Uh, my first uh, f- game wasn't actually Stoke. It was oh. um, it was Rotherham United in the Auto Windshield Final uh, in 1996 uh, at oh. the Old Wembley, which is nice. And my yeah. first shirt wasn't a Stoke shirt either. It was uh, England '98 with um, with Brammer on the back and and the Ooh. number eight because I was eight I got it for my birthday oh yeah sorry Brammer uh, I don't remember Brammer from France 98 no was he, uh, <laughs> was he on the bench with Michael Owen he, he was <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember people da- don't, do you don't remember Dave Brammer getting called up for England do you That's people a, people don't talk about that often enough it's, it's really funny one of my distinctive memories of wearing that shirt I wore it like while I was riding a bike round and round my childhood estate and I remember some lads like seeing it and going and shouting at his dad. Who do, who's who's Brammer? Who does he play for? Uh, who's he? Like, <laughs> ah, you you mugs. Um, yeah, there you I've go. Got, I've got an image now of Dave Brammer crabbing around the pitch at the Stade de France, running like he's carrying two big bags of water. <laughs> Bless him. Why do well, you support Stoke, Tony? Well, I feel a bit better that your first game wasn't a Stoke game because. Mine wasn't either, but I was quite old when I got into football. I was probably like 12 or 13, and I decided I was interested in football. And I was living in Hertfordshire, and everyone was Tottenham fans, or Man U, the odd Liverpool. And so I just literally went to the next room and asked my dad who he supports. And he said, "Uh, uh, I don't like football, only in a Stoke accent. and he said, I suppose Stoke or Port Vale. Oh, what? <laughs> One or the other. Jeez. And Sophie's choice. I had a 90 Minutes magazine and a shoot magazine in my bedroom. And I rifled through them. And there was a picture of Paul Pescasolido in one of them. So I went with Stoke <laughs> and stuck that on my wall. And... I've been a Stoke fan ever since, despite minor panics at school when people asked me who I support, and I just said, like, uh, Celtic or something, because <laughs> I just didn't want to get beaten up. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, my first game was Stevenage Borough against Halifax Town. Oh, wow. Um, Clash of the Titans. And then I actually had a season Borough. I had a season ticket at Stevenage for two years because my parents aren't... Well, my dad isn't interested in football at all, so he wasn't going to drive me to Stoke. So that was the place <laughs> they would willingly, willingly drop me off. So I'd go around my mate Richard's house, whose dad lived really near the Stevenage ground. They'd drop me off there, and then we'd be looking at teletext, because we're old, <sighs> looking at who, all the games before the game, and then you'd go to Stevenage, and everyone, well, 50% of people there would be wearing big club shirts 
but going to the Stevenage game. So then everyone ran home after the game to see how their club would get on on teletext mm. again. So I'd be looking for the Stoke score, he'd be looking for the Spurs score and what have you. So I ended up with that. But I learned some years later that both my mum's parents had season tickets at Leeds. Oh, wow. So it could have been really bad. <laughs> or, or good, depending or good on the era, because at the time yeah. they were like in it was David O'Leary's time, and they were spending all the money and stuff. But yeah, so that's my quite embarrassing story, and the reason that my mate Max was on Twitter saying, "Oh, he supports anyone as long as they wear red." Bless him. <laughs> Although I'm from Aberdeen, so I do follow Aberdeen as well. Um, like one of my dad's workmates bought me a bear in about 1983 called Fergie. So I've always had that. Aww. But that's a really long uh, way to go. Um, I actually asked yeah. my daughter these questions as well because I thought that might be interesting <laughs> or embarrassing. Um, your, da- your daughter who does go along to Stoke Games with you, yes? She's that's had a correct. season ticket for some years now, bless her. Um, okay. But I don't know what I was expecting. Um, but where are you from? She's from Chesterfield. Where do you live? She lives in Durham now, so it's quite a long way to go to Stoke Games. Um, wow. When did you start supporting Stoke? When I was seven, I understood it, so I guess then, she says. Um, <laughs> when was your first Stoke game? When I was two or three, I think. She's right. It was Preston away in 2009, and she was three. And then, why <laughs> do you support Stoke? And I was expecting something along the lines of, because my stupid dad makes me go, which is true. Um, <laughs> and what she actually said was, because I went to a few games and enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. so at this I mean, point, that's yeah, that can't be right. <laughs> well, it, it was a few years ago that that brief period where we were really good um, and beat Liverpool that time and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm welling up at this point. And then I asked, I asked what what's your favourite bit of Stoke memorabilia? Kind of expecting oh. like the Potamus toy that I got when she was really little or something, or her first shirt or something. She said the new purple away shirt. Oh. The one that she All doesn't. Right. It's a good shirt. This is one that she doesn't own. That I, her only father, have failed thus far to buy for. Her. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been done, haven't I? Hint, hint. <laughs> I've, I've been done. Stumps all over the shop. Good well, the work, good news kid. is that the good news is they are now the cho- the children's ones are now available for ten pounds in the club shop. Uh, d- and d- Delilah's d- bar is open after the game. So. <laughs> Well, don't don't tell her that because I've bought her one this weekend. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> well, let's hope, let's hope she's not a subscriber to the pod. We've ruined her her surprise. Let's her. let's hope let's hope any ten year olds aren't subscribers <laughs> to the pod. <laughs> yeah, um, she has listened to yeah. the odd episode, bless her. But yeah, she enjoys it. Oh no. Um. So, uh, I, yeah, I was. Uh, I'm always fascinated by people who like choose football teams rather than have them chosen for them, which I think was the case with. Uh, uh, the three of us, but yeah, it was on the uh, Facebook group that we've started, not the Wizards of Drivel Facebook page. So, uh, if you want to get involved in like uh, a better version of the Oatcake, as I unarrogantly called it, uh, it's <laughs> called Wizards of Drivel Stoke Chat. Just search that in Facebook, and there's plenty of links to it uh, on our Facebook and Twitter channels as well. So, if uh, you want to get involved, feel free to join that group. But a couple of comments. Uh, in response to Nathan's question in the group, were from first one from Dan Garland. Started off as a joke at first. <laughs> spent a couple of years as a youngster not supporting anyone. So I started to joke. Yeah, I support Stoke. 
which meant I started watching them every time I could. I learnt the team and kept up with results to keep the joke alive, and one day I caught feelings. <laughs> Damn, here I am now. My life depends on Stoke winning. I love uh, that. Oscar Brown, mum's side of the family is from Stoke, and Granda took me to the quarterfinal against West Ham in 2011 for my first game. Wasn't really into football before that game, but I've been coming back ever since. Would have been better off staying away looking back. And uh, a few from Twitter before we... Uh, I'll let you ca- uh, carry on, to, uh, Tony. Um, the Real Honcho. I asked the guy I worked with, a lifelong Villa supporter, who the roughest, meanest underdog team was in the league. Without hesitation, he said Stoke City been following ever since. And a couple, yeah, I think a couple more from uh, Americans as well, who uh, perhaps in a, in, a, in a moment of madness started supporting us. At Steel King, American looking for a team seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Stoke was known for being tough and good defensively, a, a trait shared by my favourite American football team. Uh, Isabella, I think I must be the only 22-year-old female American potter. My granddad used to be a keeper for Charlton and would take my dad over from Dublin to watch Gordon Banks so he could learn from him. So my dad grew up a Stokey and raised me as one, which I've since made him apologise for. (laughs) I I, I, I love that uh, American thing of just choosing a team and like people don't want the team that's any good. They want a team that's Mm. just being perceived as being a bunch of dirty cloggers. I'm all for that, and I think it shows a certain level of perverse sophistication. So, uh, well done, those guys. And we've we, it's, it is strange when we, when you think about like this podcast is someone from Hertfordshire, someone from Lancashire, someone from Yorkshire. Uh, Tony's a regular uh, Scottish Stoke fan. We have Zach on <laughs> American. We've had a Russian Stoke fan on. I think the only Stoke voices we have on it are uh, Bunny sometimes when he's on it, or or, or I think Meg Bowyer might have been the second one ever uh, on Monday. So, yeah, um, there must be something about uh, being a an exiled Potter or a non-local that, that draws you to this podcast. Uh, Charlie says, from Peterborough, taken to my first ever game, age four in 2001, against none other than Stoke. Decided to be difficult and support the opposition team, <laughs> probably because we ended up winning 4-0, and it's turned into a lifelong obsession. Best decision I've ever made. He's from Peterborough, and he goes to watch his local team, and just say, I'll, I'll support Stoke, despite living miles away. The best we're fans collect- are... We're mental. We're completely mental. <laughs> the best fans are the ones who are fans out of stubbornness. <laughs> I think that's the explanation behind our good season ticket sales so far. It's just stubbornness from the fans. (laughs) No, you're not going to drive me away. I'll drive myself away. Thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, dear. It is is funny how there seems to be a common thread with the people involved in the podcast. It's like... Excuse me. I don't know if it's... Are you... you, I say, are we overcompensating... Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. That's all right then. I thought I thought as much. I mean, it's like, do you obsess about Stoke more because you're not there, so you're not hearing it all the time? Yeah. You, you, I mean, certainly twenty years ago, you had to go really looking for it to find anything that's going on. Obviously, that's got better with the internet and stuff. Mm. But yeah, I think I think I probably I think I obsess about Stoke less than I did when I was younger but um, 
I retain a, a really strong interest and I, I would be called an obsessive compared to most fans probably because I do this podcast and <laughs> and go yeah. go to away games and stuff. Um, but I do wonder like, if I'd grown up in the local area and had mates who were Stoke fans, then I don't think this podcast would necessarily exist. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, if if I grow have up, an outlet. yeah, talking Stoke every day or close to every day, then I'm obviously less interested in following them. Mm. It's not like for kids who grew up near Stoke. I think like going to the game, just going to the game. But for me, who was driven yeah. ninety miles there, ninety miles back, it it was a trip. It was an outing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that makes it instantly more interesting. And you don't get the local paper, and you don't get local yes. radio, and all the rest of it. Uh, and like meeting a Stoke player is such a bigger deal as well than it is perhaps if you live locally and yeah. you, you see your heroes um, more of the time. So I think I think partly um, what this podcast was maybe born out is is just uh, wanting wanting friends, <laughs> like fellow <laughs> Stoke supporting yeah. friends. Because yeah. apart from my my dad and my family, I don't really have anyone to talk. Stoke with, yeah. you know, you know that's what we fo- have now. Yeah, you can talk <laughs> football with other people, but no one who you can talk to Stoke for over twenty minutes with before they get bored. <laughs> uh, so I think I think there is some truth in like uh, your obsession will deepen if if you're kind of more removed from it. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting. I think we've had it before on for this podcast when people have messaged in or we've spoke to people who are quite far flung like there's a there's a few australian stoke fans who who listen to the podcast and it's that case of well i don't really get the any stoke news or i don't get to engage in it so listening to a podcast regularly makes me feel like i'm involved in the community and maybe that's maybe that's what this is it's just an extension of a conversation that people in the local area to stoke probably have every day we're just that Mm. for for the exiles and the Stoke people, you can listen as well. Everyone's welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear from uh, like local Stoke fans as well, and just like how many of them listen regularly. Is it because they're kind of ultra obsessed? They they consume uh, stuff on top of the the local media they can readily access. So. Uh, yeah, get get in touch if you're actually from Stoke and enjoy the podcast. I suppose. Um, but I yeah, what the split is. Yeah, I do. Th- I do think it's quite telling that certainly in terms of the interaction we get, the the people asking questions on Twitter and so forth. A lot of it does seem to be either non-local or or even non-UK. So yeah, it's a uh, you you do you do feel a bit of a fraud going through all these podcasts with like not a single. Stoke on Trent local reference, not knowing what the pub is, not speaking in the accent kind of thing. But uh, at the end of the day, you just got to crack on. That's it. Awesome. Um, it's somebody mentioned on the Facebook thread. I think. Oh, it was you, wasn't it? You said glory hunters, and somebody said, "Ah ha ha, glory hunters." Um, but. Well, like obviously it's it's very much a football thing isn't it but oh oh you just support you're not your local club and therefore you're not a real football fan and you're a massive glory hunter or misery hunter in our case obviously um 
what is an acceptable reason to support a football club then? Because if if I meet somebody who is not that interested in football and suddenly have gotten interested in football in the last recent while, I am drawn to try and make them support Stoke or at least give them that as an option. I mean, so do we pile on people who are new to supporting a club that isn't their local club because they're glory hunting or do we actually want everyone to support Stoke? (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it's more a case of if you are a more committed football fan, if you feel you're more committed to your your team, as it were, and you see someone who has picked what you deem to be the easier route and the team that is much more visible, I think it's more a case of gatekeeping on, oh, you, you can't be a proper part of this community because you're not supporting a proper team. You've just chosen an easy option. And it's a case of football fans being almost petty and like, oh, you're, you're not proper, you're not like us, you don't know the the, the small-time s- stuff. Um, to, to use a, uh, an, an, an analogy from a more niche thing, in um, my other thing that I love, wrestling, um, WWF, or WWE as it is, is the biggest, bad, you know, it's the most notorious one, everyone knows about it. But the proper wrestling fans, oh, you only like WWE, you don't know about progress, you don't know about all these other companies. It's that idea, oh, you're not a proper wrestling fan, you only know the big stuff. And it's a definite case of gatekeeping, you're not as you're not as cool as us. Um, and I do think that there's an element of that in uh, in in football fans. I think you see it on social media quite often when, I don't know, some lads picked Man United and he lives in Melbourne or something and someone lays into him because oh what you don't support fucking Bristol Rovers yeah you don't oh you don't you don't why don't you why didn't you pick Bristol Rovers well because you don't get to you can't watch Bristol Rovers you don't know anything about them Man United are on the TV every week for whatever reason you know like I I have no issue with just let people enjoy football if what if they pick the most visible team who cares like you've still got your team you've still got your knowledge no one's taking that away from you you don't have to pick on people just because they've picked up liverpool or whatever can i i agree with you i agree with that what you said there but i i also do get it because i know that it's a feeling i've had certainly in the past and it is it happens with anything this isn't just football i think football it's probably the most obvious but i know i'd make the comparison between liking a band like if i like yeah, a band, yeah, yeah 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 and then someone else says they like it it's like oh what no, yes this is my band you're not you don't <laughs> yeah. like my band i discovered this band i'm the only person that likes this band <laughs> and i think it's same with football like um obviously i'm coming it i'm coming from it from the other angle with stoke because i'm certain that at times people would think that of me and probably will do forever because of my because of the way, well, because of my accent, because I, I don't go to as many games as other people, um, and and yeah, I've never lived in Stoke, so I get it, because I know it's a feeling that I've had, but also at the same time, obviously if you're being like a, a logical person, you say like, if, if you enjoy, if you're enjoying something, you don't need to sort of temper that because someone else says, oh, that's not right for you to do it. Um, yeah. l- luckily... I haven't been accused too often of being a glory hunter. I mean, some people did say it a bit to me when I was when Stoke got promoted and stuff, and when I was still living in Hertfordshire, people in Hertfordshire would say, 
you're a glory hunter. I'm like, well, if I was a glory hunter, I wouldn't be sort of supporting Stoke. And <laughs> and I remember like back when we were younger, waiting for teletext rather than obviously ever seeing it really on TV and and probably not going to like games that often really. Um, yeah, I mean, I wish I was a glory hunter <laughs> so I could yeah. see some glory. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm anno- I'm annoyed by it more because like I, I get the kind of uh, hating the 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 non-local Man United and Arsenal fans uh, because I remember being at school being the only Stoke fan and everyone else supported Man U and Liverpool and it was a bit annoying because I because like I knew that I'd been to more football matches than them mm. I I knew I knew more about football than a lot of them but I think you you do gradually grow out of that but I do find it annoying when that happens like within Stoke fans themselves and they and people like categorize fans within clubs that way i've I've seen like the phrase like the oators referring to like (laughs) when our crowds got bigger after we got promoted in 2008 and people make assumption about uh people who leave early people who um you know start you've got a season ticket for the premier league but maybe weren't as regular in the championship and people who like like to make a noise people don't go to away games blah 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 and it's just kind of it gets a bit boring when people like say oh oh you're not a proper Stoke fan or oh you're just like this bloody blah because yeah. of the way that they consume football is different to the way uh, you know is different to like oh sit watch the whole game make a noise drink five pints bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Um, so I do, I do find it annoying because like. At the end of the day, if if you're a Stoke fan, even kind of on a part-time basis, you're not a glory supporter by any stretch, and it's it, it is like gatekeeping. It is like it's like trying to prove your credentials, I and like kind of almost ranking yourself as a fan. Uh, I've been to watch the reserve team. Uh, I've uh, been to fifty-five away games this season <laughs> I host a Stoke City podcast you know like little things people do to kind of one up themselves just gets on my wick uh, now Can I give you a quote it's from a professional yes. footballer I wonder if you can guess who this is right I'll not do the accent partly because I can't and also because it might give it away but can't take people serious who choose to support a team in higher division over their local club Understand outside of the UK, but not in the UK. Just my opinion. Can't take you seriously as a football fan. Any guesses? Oh, I saw this. I saw this the other week, but I cannot remember who it was. I'll give you a is, cl- it, I, is it an Irish person? No, he's he's not, no. and he's no. he's the manager of Harry Souter now. If that's if that helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Joey The very same. Imagine everyone's surprised. But yeah, as you say, let people enjoy the thing. Just yeah, yeah. It, it is that meme. It is let yeah. people enjoy things. Just shh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are we ready for a quiz? Oh no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Quiz. Okay. I don't quiz. have a pen, so you'll just have to remember like who's winning. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. I've got a pen, and I can be trusted. I believe you. <laughs> Wait. No, the other thing. Um. Uh, it's a quiz about Stoke stuff. Um, oh, no. 
helpful. I've got it here somewhere. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go... Obviously, you can't see my screen, but I'm going to go clockwise around it, so I'm going to start with Ben again. Sorry, Ben. Um, first question. True or false? This was really difficult. I don't know anything about Stoke. I had to ask my parents who are in Spain for help. False. That was a question for Ben. What? Oh, right. But, okay, what? go on. Th- oh, wait, no, I that's a better that question. False. Was that the question? Yeah, that was a question. That was just to ease us in. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh, right. it's true, anyway. So everyone who... What was the question? It was, it was, was I don't know enough about Stoke to do a quiz about Stoke was basically the question. <laughs> and it was true. Oh. Um, okay. Right, okay. Do you want to just shout? Whoever, whoever shouts an answer first, and then that's probably okay. a better way. I had planned this for two people and the three, so it's chaos. Okay. This is more chaotic than my quizzes. Well, we're in, we're, we're just at the start. I've got, I've got the question wrong. So. <laughs> okay. So first proper question: Adrian Edmondson lookalike, occasional UKIP leader, and huge twat Paul Nuttall tried to get elected <laughs> as MP for Stoke upon Trent. True or false? True. True. Uh, I'm wondering if it's a trick question, and oh, is it not Stoke South? Ah, uh, is this what it's going to... Yeah. Or Stoke-on-Trent Stoke Central. What's your final answer, Dave? Uh, oh, fuck. Like, I, I remember the election, but do I... I'm going to stick with true. Okay, well done. You're all right. Hey, Everyone's a winner. This is good. Every, just everyone's having their fun. Yes. Okay, question two. Adrian Edmondson lookalike, occasional UKIP leader and huge twat Paul Nuttall tried to get elected as MP for Stoke-upon-Trent and was asked on Six Towns Radio to name the six towns of Stoke-on-Trent. <laughs> Do you think he got them all? No. No. Yeah, just to be different. Oh, well played, Chris. No, he didn't. Okay. He got five. <laughs> Does anybody know... <laughs> Paul Nottles of the UKIPs. Yeah. Blinking egg. Which of the six towns of Stoke-on-Trent is apparently known as the mother town? Hanley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hanley. I agree. It's Burslem. What? Oh, fuck. I apparently it was the first one oh, or something. Oh, no, I said it with such confidence. <laughs> That's, when, that's just disgraceful. Yeah, it's. Okay. See, I, I knew that because I researched the question. Okay. <laughs> when my dad was at college, he helped with surveying on the building of the D Road. What's the D Road? <laughs> What's the D Road? It's, what it's is the road. D Road? Is that a euphemism? No. It's a road. Oh, well, I'm spoiling <laughs> it's it. It's a road. Which hey. road? So Stanley Matthews Way. Oh, I mean that is a road in Stoke that I've heard of. So um, that is that is what I've gone for there. <laughs> the, I'm gonna say it's the like I don't know big road, the big road that goes through <laughs> whatever it's, that's called. Is it the flyover? Is it the flyover? Not the one, not the one that the ground comes off, but the one that it like goes onto. Oh. What is it? A five hundred, A five hundred. Oh. I go that way. Well played, Chris. Come that way. You have you have Everybody. won the quiz. Well, you've got that question oh, right. Wow. It's the A five hundred because the Latin I... numeral for five hundred is D. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean, that was that's really that clever. Was a pu- that was a pu- was that... pure guess because I'm just like, oh, that's a main, that's a big road, isn't it? 
It is oh, VA500. And, it, and it's also really sad oh, that I know damn. the numbers. Uh, A50 that's... onto the A500. Oh, great. Oh, dear me. Okay. Is there another This question? might be the most partridge the podcast has ever got. A quiz <laughs> about zeros. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, which of these famous people was not born in Stoke-upon-Trent? Anthea Turner, John Wayne, Toby Jones. Wait, so two of them were born in Stoke-on-Trent? Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Surely John Wayne wasn't born in Stoke. Yeah, I, I mean... Unless you're he, meaning he, John Wayne... Is he throw... John Wayne, the person on Twitter. Like, yeah, sometimes no, it, applies it, it, it is a famous person. But, is, but, is, he, but, is he throwing us with another John Wayne? This, this is my only he, worry. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Anthea he is. Turner. Anthea Turner. Be. Was I, he? Tra- I, I don't think any of them were. Who was it? Anthea Turner, John Wayne, and Toby Jones. Toby, Toby Jones. Jones. Oh, I don't know if Toby God. Jones. I don't. I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to guess I'm, Toby Jones. Yeah, I'm going to go Toby Jones because yeah. whilst he's I, played a person, I don't think he's from Stoke. Yeah, he's definitely put the accent on for marvelous. Yeah, so. yeah. So Toby Jones. Well done, everyone. John Wayne was a poet. Oh, okay. Oh. But he was quite a famous poet. Um, and yeah, Toby Turner, J- though. Yeah, Anthony Turner's from that Stoke. That is surprising. Didn't know that. Yeah. And Toby Jones's dad is from Stoke. And oh, a Stoke fan. Cool. Which is why oh. he got into all that. That's nice. That's nice. Oh. Okay, I, I was going to try and rig this so we needed a tie break. But seeing as there's like, more people than I'd planned for... Um, you know that thing where you do like a word association game and one person says something and then the next person says something and then the next person says something yeah I was going to mm-hmm. do that where <laughs> okay but you need to sort out the order so it would have to go Ben then Chris then Dave right okay and then back to Ben again okay and yeah. I need you to name famous oh potteries famous potters Fame- from Stoke-on-Trent what people who have made pots? I don't want to give you any examples, but you you know the ones like the people who make china and okay. stuff from Stoke that are famous. Oh, shit. And okay. I'm, I'm accepting any answers, I'm any answers what? from this list of famous potters of Stoke on Trent from okay. thepotteries.org. Let's go. Let's go. I'm glad I'm going first. Oh shit! What? I'm going last. I'm absolutely fucked. Wedgwood. Emma Bridgewater. Shit, that was my only one. Wedgwood, and there's Emma Bridgewater, and there's. Uh, no. No. Spode. Spode. Oh, well played. Okay, go on, Ben. Oh, no! <laughs> I haven't got anything. I have no idea. Chris, I'm passing on to you, pal. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with. Um, Emma Bailey. That's not on my list. Oh, get it out might it might be right. It's just not on my list. Emma Bailey. Stoke. Oh, probably because we've because um like my auntie always goes down to them, but she collects Emma Bridgewater, so that was why I was so uh, confident in my first answer. I'll give up, Dave. Yeah. Dave, you can name one. Royal Dalton. Oh, oh. look at him. Definitely haven't been googling my list, have you? <laughs> Tony's list of potters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this 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 has demonstrated that everybody knows more about Stoke on Trent than you might have thought. 
I think that's probably <laughs> does it that has crashed and burned. Oh wow! Well, thanks everyone. That was really interesting for me. <laughs> I'm sorry about the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> what what happened to the last like half an hour of this pro- podcast? It just it it went somewhere, didn't it? <laughs> sorry. Definitely not to Stoke. This, this it is, went somewhere, but not to Stoke. This is why I'm not on very often. <laughs> <laughs> this is like some lucid fever dream of a podcast. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I've enjoyed it. We've gone, for, we've gone on for nearly one hour twenty minutes in total. Uh, what a glorious, what a glorious time uh, to be alive. Uh, sorry for not knowing anything about Stoke on Trent. Uh, but thank you very much for listening thank you for sticking with us uh, thank you Tony thank you very much thank you Chris thank you Dave thank you Ben thank you <laughs> <laughs> this has been a particularly drivelly Wizards of Drivel go on Stoke <laughs>